Amazing. Amazing what God's given us here in our pastor. And uh, my, my, my. This most recent series has just really ministered to me and, and been so powerful. And at an appropriate time, at a very timely season of my life. And I'm so grateful for it and for his, uh, his, his life and ministry. So glad they have the opportunity to be there in Houston. And they'll be back and, and uh, be praying for him. He's pastor's having... He's really having multiple physical challenges now as, as that degree, as his disease is, uh, seems to be just getting worse. And so it's kind of manifesting itself, it seems, in so many different ways. And uh, so be praying for Pastor, okay, for his physical needs. And uh, there are quite a few of them, and they're pretty intense, even though he doesn't say a lot to us about them. Uh, but appreciate Brother Rick. My goodness, privilege to serve with him. Uh, question this morning, can you recall... Receiving a gift sometime in your life that was so wonderful, so surprising, maybe so shocking, so overwhelming, that you were at a loss for words. Have you ever had that to happen to you? Can you recall something like that that took place? I know I've told you about this before, but it's just because it's so, it's a, it's a lifetime type thing. Once in a lifetime, so to speak. And because of the season of my life spiritually where I was at, I want to tell you again about a time when I was truly overwhelmed. I had the privilege of uh, attending Tennessee Temple, and when I did, through some real strange circumstances that I won't go into, uh, I ended up serving in a church in Gadsden. And uh, for about six years, we traveled back and forth from Chattanooga to Gadsden. And it was, it was a... It was a God thing in my life. I learned so much there. And those precious people, my goodness, they, they had to put up with so much. I'm serious. I mean, <laughs> I should not have said that, okay? I, this is the wrong place to make a confession like that, okay? I guarantee you. We talked about that in life group today, too. All you smarlicks out there, I don't know. But anyhow, moving on. Uh, I had a little 67 Camaro convertible, five-speed, and uh, would travel up and down that interstate. And the folks there at the church kind of got worried about me. I, I wasn't worried because I grew up driving uh, Corvairs. And, uh, but uh, they, they, they managed to pull a real fast one on me. I'm a young guy, you know, in my early 20s, and uh, just coming through a season of, very, of very, being very broken spiritually and uh, just messed up royally. And I'm serving in this little church, and they got a hold of my family. I've told you before, and they had all my family there at the church without me knowing about it. And on this one Sunday, this door over here opens up, and in comes my dad. Then this door opens up, and here comes my mom. I mean, we're talking about Gadsden. I live in West Virginia. That's a long ways. Okay, wait. Then this door opens back up. My oldest brother comes in. This door opens up. My other brother comes walking in. I'm just, I'm at a loss just right, even right there. I'm thinking, what in the world? How's my family here in Gadsden? And then they, they pulled up a chair right there on the front of the platform and uh, <laughs> had me to be seated. And there was a door immediately right off to the left, right in line with that platform that went out to a sidewalk into the street. And uh, I don't remember all the details, but here's the point of it. They opened up that door and uh, parked across that sidewalk was, and this is in the 70s now, okay, I can't remember the exact year, but there was a 1970 uh, Chevy Nova, Rally Nova sitting parked across the sidewalk. And a big sign 
said, presented to Tim Coley from the South 11th Street Baptist Church. And I got to tell you, with, 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 where I, with where I had been spiritually and the brokenness that I, was, that I had experienced, that just totally, it just totally overwhelmed me. And just like that, it just seemed like in a, in a, in a second, all the sin of my life just ran by my mind, through my mind. And I sat there and I wept like a baby. I couldn't believe that God would be that good to me and that those people would be that good to me. And so as I recall this, what happened, I've got a few pictures actually of it, but uh, we walked outside and I think here's what happened. I just walked out there and just kept walking around the car real slowly looking at it. And I think somebody even said, Tim, are, are you going to say anything? Okay. I mean, you know, it was that type of thing. You're just speechless. It's like, what do you say? All right? That is definitely a gift I will never forget. Now, before I move on, let me say, there's a rumor going around the church here that you're going to buy me a new Camaro. I wasn't able to get that rumor off the ground, so I'm going to try to start another one if I can real soon. All right? No, listen, that was an amazing thing. Overwhelmed me. Speechless. Many of us here today have received, we have received, a gift that we should truly be overwhelmed by. Now, the Apostle Paul had received that same gift, and he found himself at a loss for words when he tried to describe it. Uh, good news for you today. My main text consists of eight words. Can you believe that? My verse has just eight words in it. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 9.15. The Apostle Paul said this, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, just give you a little bit of a side note here. The context of Paul's declaration is one of giving, of believers giving. In both chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, we find Paul exhorting the Corinthians to get involved in giving a material, a financial gift that he's trying to raise for the believers over in Judea that are suffering. Their persecution is quite intense. And so Paul has this um, mission and uh, this money's being raised for the believers over there. So he writes 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 in this epistle to the church and talks a whole lot about giving. So <clears throat> he, he lays a solid biblical foundation for why Christians, believers, should give. But then I've got to tell you this, and I have, I have shared this with you before. But not only does he lay an unbelievably solid foundation for why we should give, if you read it carefully, you'll, you'll be kind of uh, tickled to hear the humor that he uses when he writes to that church. And he's very tactfully, very tactfully, he's trying to address uh, a shortcoming in their life when it comes to the matter of giving. And you've got to appreciate the humor of some of the things he says. Now, today's message, well, I'm sorry, we're not going to delve into that. I want to encourage you. Sometime it'll be worth your time. It'll be a blessing to you if you'll just park on 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and just let that saturate your mind and your heart a little bit. Just kind of stew on it, meditate on it, and you'll see 
the, 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 the diplomacy and the tactfulness that Paul uses with these Corinthians who are not doing quite what they ought to be doing, all right? I love it. It's just a neat, neat passage of Scripture. But as Paul concluded, okay, here we go. As he concluded chapters 8 and 9 about giving, he makes this one simple declaration. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, I believe he made that statement at the end of his presentation, for maybe for two reasons. Number one, he was pointing his readers to the supreme illustration of the principles he had just enumerated. You vote you with me? And that supreme illustration, of course, is God. What greater giver has there ever been than God? So he finishes up this, this real delicate, tactful challenge to the Corinthians, and he says, probably saying, hey, I want to leave this thought with you. Our greatest example is God himself of being a giver. But I believe also there's a second reason maybe why Paul made that statement. And here it is. Possibly. Paul's mind, his mind, <laughs> and, you know, you've had these times in the Word where something just so, is so rich to you, and it just so blesses you, and you're just engulfed in it, you know, it just kind of takes over. I believe possibly that's what happened to Paul. His mind became so stirred by the truths he was presenting on giving, and his heart became so occupied with the God who is the greatest giver and who makes all other giving possible that he just got caught up in it all. He just got caught up, and he said, and he just exclaimed, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. He just got carried away, I believe, possibly, okay, as he was thinking about these rich truths, thinking about the God who is the supreme illustration of giving. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, simply, I probably don't even need to say this, but the word unspeakable means that God's gift cannot be adequately expressed in words. It's indescribable. It's a gift that we are unable to recount or to fully tell. We cannot. It's impossible. It's impossible for a human to fully express the gratitude, the amazement at what God's gift was and is. And we all know this, okay? But what was God's gift? What, what was, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I, I, we maybe could use several different things here to answer that question, but I, I want to zero in on this this morning. I just simply believe it was Jesus Christ. And we all know this, don't we? Say it with me. Ready? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave, and the gift that he gave was his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like to give you two main thoughts from 2 Corinthians 9.15. Two thoughts with some things to consider along with them. Here's the first one, okay? 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks, but thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. First of all, Paul was overwhelmed by God's gift. He just simply said, it's unspeakable. I can't, I can't describe it. I just cannot describe God's gift. And you know, child of God, if you're here today, you know the Lord's your Savior, and you are a child of God then, okay, but... We, we should be overwhelmed. We should be overwhelmed by God's gift to us, too. 
And that's a work that only God can do. That's a work that only His Spirit can do. But He can. And we may need that today. A fresh being overwhelmed at what God's gift is in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to give you three reasons why I believe Paul could have been overwhelmed by God's gift. Are you ready? First of all, I believe Paul was overwhelmed by God's gift, Jesus Christ. First of all, because of just who that gift was. Just because of who he was. He was God Almighty. We sang about it this morning. He was God Almighty in human flesh. He was the all-powerful creator of the universe, carried in the womb of a mere mortal. Think about that. God in the womb of Mary. God Almighty, the creator. That fragile little baby born that night in the manger, who was he? The sinless son of God. Wow. That same soft-cheeked infant that Mary held against her own cheek, can you imagine this? It was God himself holding that baby. <laughs> and that's God that your cheek is up against. And we all know the song so well, Mary, did you know that does such a good job of describing the awe and the amazement of who God's gift was. No wonder when Paul thought about God's gift, who he was, no wonder Paul said, it's unspeakable. I can't even describe the gift that God gave because of who he was, who he is. Secondly, I believe Paul was overwhelmed by God's gift because of to whom that gift was given. Now, who was, who, who was that gift given to? To whom? Well, we, we quoted it a minute ago, didn't we, right? For God so loved what? The world. The world. Every person that will ever, has ever, will ever walk on the face of this earth, God loved that individual so much, He gave His only Son. The world. Every child at McDonald Elementary School, God gave His Son for them. Every person in my neighborhood, God gave His Son for them. And so Paul knew that the gift was given. We're going to read his comments about that in just a moment. He knew that that gift was given to the world, but it wasn't just the world, if I could say it that way. It was, it was a world of who? Of sinners. God, the infinite, sinless, holy God, thrice holy God, gave His only Son for a world of sinners. Romans 5, 6-8, Paul wrote this, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. He died for ungodly people. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. And then we know this so well, but God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were good people, Christ died for us. That's not what it says, is it? In that while we were, what? Yet sinners. Yet sinners. There was nothing in us, nothing in us. At our very best, there was nothing in us that caused Jesus Christ to give his life for us. He gave his life because he loves us. He gave his life because that was his mission, that was his passion. And he was a gift from the Father. 
to a world of sinners. But you know, we've got to take it to another level, I believe. Not only was Paul overwhelmed by the fact that that gift of God, that amazing person of Jesus Christ, was given to the world, and that it was given to a world of sinners, but man, Paul got real personal with this thing, didn't he? And he said, I'm really amazed that God gave me that gift. Because what did Paul consider himself to be? You ready? You know this verse. 1 Timothy 1.15 This is a faithful saying, Paul said, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he added this, of whom I am chief. That's an amazing statement. No wonder, no wonder Paul said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That gift was given to a sinner just like me. I have been the recipient of that gift. So, first of all, Paul was overwhelmed because of who that gift was. Secondly, Paul was overwhelmed because of to whom, to whom the gift was given. And then thirdly, I believe Paul was overwhelmed because of what that gift had done for him. What that gift, Jesus Christ, what God's gift in the person of His Son, what that gift had done for Him personally. Well, first of all, we know this. God's gift, Jesus Christ, had saved Paul. Now, we know Paul's story so well. Most of us here do. We've heard it many, many times. On that road to Damascus, but then having an encounter with the living Jesus Christ and his life being transformed by the person of Jesus Christ. And you know, it's interesting. You read through the book of Acts. It, it, you just can't help but see this, okay? Paul, Paul never got over being overwhelmed by what that gift had done for him. And you know one reason why I know that? Well, as again, as I said, if, as we read through the book of Acts, every chance Paul got, guess what he was doing? He said, hey, let me tell you my story. Okay, you, you, all through, I mean, there's, there's numbers of counts in the, in the book of Acts where before different people, it's just like Paul's sitting already. I can't wait to tell somebody else, okay, about what Jesus did for me, how he changed my life. He was so eager to share that story. He never got over it. As a matter of fact, he gave this testimony in 1 Timothy chapter 1 about himself. Look at it with me, if you would, please who was before a blasphemer. He says, I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained, and don't you love this word, mercy. I obtained mercy. Though I was, and though I am, Paul says, I am the chief of sinners, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly, unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. There it is. Paul's story, this is what I used to be, but man, God's gift changed my life. God's gift has transformed my life. I am no longer the man that I used to be. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. You know, if we've been saved, we too, we should be overwhelmed at what, gives, at what God's gift has done for us in saving us. Maybe we've gotten over it. You know, maybe, maybe it's just kind of fallen to where it's cold in our lives. But you know, the Lord can bring that back. He, he can rekindle that amazement. He can rekindle that sense of, 
of just being overwhelmed at his salvation in our lives. But do you recall that time when you did feel that way? Um, I'd like to change gears for just a minute and do something here. And share a devotional with you that, uh, that really ministered to my heart. I shared it with two individuals already since just this week. I can't remember what day of the week it was I came across it. But I like to read a whole lot after F.B. Meyer. And just a very eloquent old, old school preacher and writer. Uh, just some precious, precious truths. And so I, I get one of his devotions every day. And, and don't, I don't read them every day, but uh, they have really ministered to me over the years. I've got a whole collection of them in my inbox, okay, because they, they're, they're really, really neat. But this past week I read one that I want to share with you this morning. Uh, as I read this devotion, my heart was humbled, it really was, to think of who God's gift is and what he's done in my life. God used this devotion to bring that about in my life. And maybe the Lord will use it to do the same thing for you this morning, okay? I hope so, if you need it. Here's the devotion. Now, it's based on a story. You don't have to turn to it. But it's based on a story found in Luke chapter 5. And what we find there very quickly is this, very briefly is this. The disciples have all gone back to fishing. And you remember the story so well. They fished and fished and fished with no success. Jesus calls to them and says, cast the nets on the other side. Oh, Lord, my man, we've been toiling all night. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll do it. And we know the story, man, the amazing catch of fish. Absolutely overwhelming. And we're going to pick up the story just with that little brief background by jumping in at Luke chapter 5, verse 11. And here's what happened. Listen to this. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Man, that, that, that's exciting right there. That, that would be worth kind of parking on and preaching on and talking about some. After seeing God show up the way he did in Jesus Christ on that shore, seeing that happen... The Bible says they forsook all and followed him. But then the story continues. And it came to pass when he, Jesus, was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he, Jesus, put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Now that's the passage. Would you listen very carefully as I share with you what F.B. Meyer said about this? This leper, as the physician evangelist Luke remarks, was full of leprosy. It was a very aggravated case. He lay in the dust before Jesus. What a contrast. Loathsomeness. And divine beauty, disease, and health. Humanity at its worst and best. Sinner and Savior. One of Satan's most miserable victims and the Almighty Deliverer. What a contrast. What a contrast. F.B. Meyer continues, So my reader... If thou art conscious of a heart and life which are full of sin, I would have thee meet thy Savior now. There is no if about his power. Even the leper recognized that. The only doubt was about the Savior's will. There is, however, no doubt on this score now. 
since he has healed myriads and promises healing to all who come. Throw thyself then at his feet and ask for cleansing. Then F.B. Meyer pulls this phrase from the passage where he says, Jesus stretched forth his hand and touched him. And then he makes this comment. You still with me? Listen to this. No one else would have dared to do as much. To touch that flesh, according to the Levitical code, would induce uncleanness. But Jesus shrank not. On the one hand, he knew that the ceremonial restrictions were abolished in himself. On the other, he desired to teach that sin cannot defile the divine holiness of the Savior. Oh, it's a precious thought. And now he expounds a little bit on that. Listen to this. Whatever be the stories of sin that are breathed into his ear, whatever the open bruises and putrefying sores which are open to his touch, whatever the sights and scenes with which he has to cope, none of these can leave a taint of evil in his sinless heart. It would be as impossible for sin to soil Christ as for a plague to contaminate flame. And he will heal thee. Dare to claim it. Man, I tell you what. I read that, and boy, my heart just was, wow, I was overwhelmed. I was thinking, that, I'm, I'm the leper. I, I, was that, I was that leper. Full of sin and full of wickedness and putrefying sores that, 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 were, that were there and, and just so repulsive my life was. But I'm glad that I can give testimony today that that, that same Jesus Christ, that many, many years ago, he took his hand and reached into that mess and touched my life. He touched my heart. He forgave me of my sin. And I want to say with the Apostle Paul today, when I stop and think about that, I want to say, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. That's what He's done. He's done the same thing for me. And you know what, folks? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, you say, Tim, I, I, I can't really say I've ever experienced that kind of a touch. You need to, and He wants to do that today. He will. He will. You cast yourself at His feet. Say, Lord, I'm a mess. This is all I have. That's the way He wants you to come. And He will touch your life. And you will also say, thanks be unto God (laughs) for His unspeakable gift. Can't explain it. It defies words. Yes, you will. Now, here's a little bit different angle. Paul was not only overwhelmed by what that gift had done for him in saving him, but I I like this, and I think it's true. I believe Paul was overwhelmed by by what God's gift had done in allowing him to, to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To serve God. Because you think about this. Before he was saved, he told us this. Paul did. He said, you know what I did? I, I did very fervently. I was passionate about persecuting believers. And delivering them up for persecution. He said, I was so passionate about that. And he said, I did it as unto God. He said, I was wanting to please God. Can you imagine after he got saved with his eyes open now to the reality of who God really is and of who Jesus is, can you imagine the gratitude in his heart and the desire he had to serve that same one that he had been persecuting before? Just overwhelmed. That God that I I was so blind, I was so mistaken, I'm I'm so responsible for so much evil, it came at at, 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 at my hand 
My hand was involved in those things. But now I know who God really is. I know who his son is. And now I get to serve the one that I persecuted. I believe he was overwhelmed by being able to serve the Lord. The joy and privilege of serving him. You know, 1 Timothy 1.12, here's what Paul says. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And then I love 1 Corinthians 15.10. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Hey, are you, are you, are you thinking with me today? I, I believe Paul, wow, I believe he was overwhelmed that he had the joy and privilege of serving God. Overwhelmed. I'm not worthy after what I've done. After who I was. And who I still am apart from His grace. To be able to serve Him. You know, every blood-washed child of God present today, every one of us, we've experienced this. We really have. We've been enabled, haven't we, to serve that God we have. He has made it possible for us to have Joy, and to really feel like it's a privilege to serve Him. He's made that possible. He's done that for us. We know uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and real well, don't we? Right? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then he goes on, and look what he says. For we are His, we are, hey, brother, sister in Christ, you're God's workmanship. God's invested in you. In you personally. God is invested in you. He has committed himself to work in your life. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Hey, there's an old song out there years ago came out, Born to Serve the Lord. I was born to serve the Lord. Talking about the rebirth of Christ. I mean the rebirth of, the, of, the, of an individual coming to know Christ as Savior. And the statement I was born to serve the Lord. And that's exactly what Paul says right here in Ephesians 2. Hey, we were saved by grace, but that grace also works in us. And God already had it planned out that when we came into His family, we'd be walking in good works. We'd be serving Him. Getting to serve the Lord. You know, and again, this is a work that only God can do in my own heart. And I confess that there are times in my life where I need him to do a fresh work in this very area right here. But he can do that. He can overwhelm us with the privilege and joy of serving him. Uh, In our hymnal back home, that's not in our book here, but I don't know if any of you have ever heard the song, the hymn. I liked it as a kid growing up. There is joy in serving Jesus. I love that old hymn. And that is true. There is joy in serving the Lord. It's also a privilege in it. You know, let me say this, and I think we can all relate to this. It's so easy. It is so easy to lose the wonder, the joy, and the sense of privilege that it is to serve the Lord. It's just easy to lose that. Our old sinful natures so quickly want to 
pull away from that. Question. Right now today, brother and sister in Christ, are we still overwhelmed that God's gift has seen fit to allow us to serve Him? Are we overwhelmed at the ministries that we have an opportunity to be involved in? Is there joy in those ministries? Is, is there a sense that, hey, I'm not, worthy, I'm not worthy to be involved in this? Question. Brother and sister in Christ, can you recall a time in your life when you were like the prodigal son and you said to God as he did to his father, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy of the least of your favor. If you'll just let me be a hired servant, that's more than I deserve. Oh, oh, to be able to go back and to keep that spirit and to keep that perspective on ministry, whatever it is, whatever the works are that we have our hands applied to, to to keep that type of a heart. I've shared this story with you before too, and again, back to the same church there in Gadsden because it was just the first church I ever served in and learned so many things, as I said, but here was one of the things I learned. (laughs) I'll never forget that first Christmas cantata I've shared with you before. I think maybe at the max, it might have lasted maybe 20 minutes, maybe four songs, five maybe. Very, very simple. Very First cantata I'd ever done, okay? Maybe the first one they'd ever done. And it was just really special. After the cantata was over, there was a house behind the church that they had converted into a fellowship hall. And I can still picture it just as vividly as anything right now today. But we all moved over to that fellowship room, that fellowship hall, and we had a meal together. And then those people at that church presented me with a small Christmas tree that had dollar bills attached to it all over it. And I'll just tell you, I broke down and just wept like a baby. And again, just overwhelmed that God would be that good to me and that those people would be that good to me. I knew in my heart I was not worthy of a gift like that. And I'll just make this statement, and I think all of us can relate to this. Oh, to always have that kind of spirit. Oh, to always be overwhelmed by what God's gift, Jesus Christ, in His amazing grace, has done in allowing me to serve Him. Boy, may the Lord just turn the light on. Maybe he'll help us see ourselves as the leper in that story in Luke 5. Just a lot of ugliness. Nothing really attractive that would cause God to have grace on us. But he did. But he did. Yes, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Lord, keep that spirit in me. Convict me when my attitude is otherwise. Lord, convict me when I get commonplace with what I'm doing. Remind me of where you brought me from and where I could have been, like that old song says. Throw back the curtain of memory now and then, Lord. Just remind me. May the Lord do that in our lives today. Amen.
Well, here's the second main thought, and it's brief and it's very obvious, okay? Almost so much so that I don't need to say it, but I'm going to. All right, here's the second thing. Not only did God's gift overwhelm Paul, here's the second. Paul gave thanks to God for that gift. Didn't he? Yeah, we read it. 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul makes the statement, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Very simple. You know, this is neat. This is kind of a neat thing, I think. Everyone who came into contact with and who received the gift of God expressed thanks to him. I'm thinking not particularly about the Christmas story. Listen. What did Mary say? My soul... My soul, because of what I just heard, the unbelievable privilege that God is giving me, my soul doth what? Magnify the Lord. She gave thanks. She gave thanks to God for His unspeakable gift. The heavenly host that suddenly appeared to the shepherds praised God, and what did they say? Glory to who? Glory to God in the highest. Simeon who had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Lord's Christ before he died, he took that infant, the Bible says, in his arms and blessed God. (laughs) And then that dear godly woman named Anna, the Bible says, and she, coming in that that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. Even as an infant, God's gift brought him praise and thanksgiving. And you know, we today should be found in awe, giving thanks to God for his unspeakable gift. I'll tell you, I, 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 it ought not be this way, but over Thanksgiving, we had the opportunity to go up to, uh, to Nashville. Kip's brother lives there, he and his wife, and Kip's mom and dad came down from North Carolina, and they're not traveling a whole lot anymore and because of physical challenges and their age, what have you, but Anyhow, it was, a, it was a good time together, and we, as we got ready to sit down, and uh, Preston, keep his brother, led, led us in prayer. And I, this is going to be shocking to you, I'm sure, but in his prayer, he just simply made a statement, something like this. He said, God, today, on this day, we are going to thank you for what you did for us on Calvary. They said, now, Tim, what's shocking about that? To me personally, it was just because it had been a while since I had said to the Lord, thank you for what you did on Calvary for me. It had not crossed my lips. And I heard Preston pray that and I thought, my goodness, have I, has it become commonplace to me? You know, yes, I have to confess that there was not that attentiveness to that. There was not that overwhelming gratitude at God's gift. And when Preston prayed that prayer, it just simply reminded me, Tim... You got, you've got to get back on track with this thing. You need to be giving thanks to God for His gift of salvation. The person of Jesus Christ above all. But even as an infant, God's gift brought Him much praise. Is He getting praise from me? You know, again, I told you this just recently. My mom, classic, I, I'll just never forget this. Uh, to be honest with you, before mom came, started coming down here and living with us, you know, for five or six months each year, I really hadn't prayed. I hadn't been in the same room where mom would be praying. And, uh, and I think that's probably the reason why this so stuck out to me. And I, if some of you ladies were there, I believe you might recall too. But it, it was almost like clockwork. Anytime mom would pray verbally, out loud, in a, in a, in a meeting, 
one of the first things she would say is, Lord, I'm just amazed that you love me so much that you died on Calvary for me. And every time mom would pray that, I would think, wow, I don't say that very often. You know, I don't. I don't thank the Lord for what he did for me on Calvary. But she sure did. She was overwhelmed. (laughs) Well, listen, folks, here we go. There's two ways we can and we should be giving thanks to God for his gift. Here's the first one, very simple. First of all, with our lips. This is an amazing verse. Hebrews 13, 15. Look at this. By him, by Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a picture there. There's a word picture being given to us there. What the writer is saying, Hebrews is just saturated, right, with the Old Testament how that Christ is far superior than the Old Testament high priest and all that and all that comparison that goes on there. So the idea of sacrifices is very much present. And we can remember ourselves, okay, the vivid pictures that we've seen in Sunday school when we were growing up of those lambs being offered up on that altar and that smoke arising off of that lamb, pleasing God. Do you know that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here? Is when I, from my heart, when I genuinely offer praise, my lips, when I, when I verbally... When I verbally praise the Lord, it's like a sacrifice has been lit and the smoke arises and pleases the holy God. That's amazing. We can be involved in giving thanks to the Lord that way. And then lastly, not only with our lips, but with our lives. And Romans 12:1, you know the verse well. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, because of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, you might be sitting here today and you might think, Tim, I don't have very much to give to the Lord, to be honest with you. He says, present your bodies. That's just representative of my entire life. Just, Lord, here's my physical body. I want it to be used by you for your purposes, for your glory, whatever you have in mind. And you might be thinking, Tim, I, I don't really have a lot to offer to the Lord. But you know, the neat thing about it is, whatever we bring to Christ, if we bring it with a genuine heart, I believe we could hear him say, child, That's all I need. That's all I need. Just what you feel so insufficient with, that's all I need. You just come and place it at my feet, and I'll do the rest. Anybody here today? Anybody here today could give a testimony of a time when you knelt broken before your Lord, and you just said to him something like this, Lord, this is messed up. This is really messed up. I'm messed up. I'm not living for you. I have grievously sinned against you. You've not been the first person in my life. You've not been the focus of my life. Lord, here's all the pieces of my messed up life. Here they are. I'm not worthy, but I'm going to lay them at your feet. Whatever you can do, it's your call. Your will be done. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had that time in your life as a child of God where you just totally knelt broken before your God and said, God, here it is, lock, stock, and barrel. Not much, but oh, I love thinking that he says, that's all right, that's all I need. That's all I need. (laughs) Today, if you don't know Christ as Savior, yeah, leprosy is a pretty ugly picture of sin. Sure is. Pretty gruesome. Pretty loathsome. Like I just read. 
But you know what? Jesus came for people just like you and me. Have you ever cast yourself at his feet and said, Have mercy on me, Savior, if you will, make me clean? And he will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace, your amazing mercy. And uh, as we're in this season where gifts play such a large part of our thinking and our time, Lord, bring back, yeah, like that song says, roll back the curtain of memory now and then and show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. And Lord, not I, I, I don't want to have just an emotional time here where a message stirs someone's heart. No, Lord, we want it to be far more than that. I, you spoke to me this week through that devotion by F.B. Meyer. I'm amazed, Lord, that you reached into the ugliness of my life. And you continue to. And it never soils you like I read, Lord, because you are the sinless Son of God. You are the Savior of all mankind. We praise you this morning. We give thanks to God. Thank you, God, for your unspeakable gift. For what He's done for us. How He has saved us. How He's given us the privilege of serving Him. And I do pray if there's anyone here that has never, never experienced the amazing touch of salvation through Jesus Christ through His shed blood on Calvary. Lord, that today, they would just run to You. Jesus, I want You. I need You. I trust You. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Let's stand together, please, if you will.